Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. We're in a stretch of verses that lead up to famous and well-known verses. Uh, the well-known verses are the verses from which we get the four languages of redemption, which of course are really five languages of redemption, but that creates either uh, in real time or ex post facto the iconic number four in the Pesach Seder. And we're in the verses that lead, lead up to that. My guess is that we'll probably get just to the beginning of those verses. Hi, Sue, Boker Tov, uh, today. And a reminder, hopefully you got the email, that uh, this will be my last class with you until Sukkot. Uh, but most of the weeks in between, Leonard will be teaching a lesson Yantif. Uh, that email went out last week. Um, it did not go out? Okay. Um, let me make a note to myself to get that out. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, that will go out very soon. Okay, so we are on chapter six of um, the book of Shemot, and still in the first few verses of Parshat Va'era. And there's something, I don't know how to say this, a little bit circular or slow or frustrating with reading this set of verses very slowly and doing each Rashi on it without doing what we sometimes do, which is to read the whole section. Because if you read a verse and then Rashi and then a verse and a Rashi, it's very hard to not read Rashi as being both repetitive and almost superfluous. Now, maybe sometimes Rashi is repetitive and superfluous, but we tend to read Rashi as if he's not. Um, and so sometimes it's helpful to read a string of verses in a row. So um, what I'd like to do last time, um, we started reading verse five, I believe. Uh, did we finish? Where's the Hodati? Um, no, verse three, excuse me. And we, we did some of the Rashi's in verse three and not all of them. I want to read through verses three, four, and five and get a sense of what's going on in all these verses, and then we'll come back and do the Rashi's, okay? So, so bear with me. So verse three, after verse two, which said that Aniel, um, Elohim said Verse 3 in chapter 6. Va'era el Avraham, I became seen, I was seen, I appeared, I revealed myself to Avraham, El Yitzchak, to Isaac, via Yaakov, to Jacob, be'el Shaddai, as El Shaddai. Ushmi Adonai, there's kind of an implied, however, but my name, Yud Vavhe, lo no dati lahem, what was not known to them. We, Rashi will go into what lonodati means and doesn't mean, but somehow they knew me as El Shaddai, but not as Adonai. We've pointed out already that there are plenty of places in the book of Rashi where it seems that Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov very much were, uh, had yud heh vav revealed to them. But let's take it at face value. Um, let's have a reader for verse four. Um, we have a microphone on the table, yeah. Uh, Sue, do you wanna read verse four? which I don't think we read yet. No, I marked it. That, that's where we're starting. And we still actually haven't fit the, finished the Rashis on three, but I want to read verse four and five before we do the Rashis. Vigam hakimoti, hakimoti et briti itam, latet lahem et eretz kanaan, uh, et eretz me, megurehem, 
Hakimoti, the absolute most Japanese-sounding word in the Torah. Hakimoti. Where's the the accents on the mo? Right. Do you ever hear those really silly but wonderful Hebrew into other language puns? The it's like triple language puns. Like the the what's the Japanese word for diaper to a Hebrew speaker? Sakimkaki. And a Japanese word for a bus driver, Ishimoto. <laughs> so that's what I think of when I think of um, uh, Hakimoti. And my father's favorite, what's the, um, what's the, uh, who is the Italian inventor of long underwear? Carlo Batusic. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm done. Um, but now, so, but Hakimoti. So keep going or translate. And also something about the establishment is a very weird form. Um, I, I, I established I established the breed the covenant with them to give to give them to give to them to give to them the land of Canaan, um, the land where they're of their dwelling mm-hmm. that they can live there. That they lived in there. there. Right. Okay. Hakimoti does look weird. That it's the O vowel, which is weird. It's really hikamti, right? It's lehakim, which is the he feel of kam. Kam is to is to get up. So lehakim is to make something get get up to establish. In modern Hebrew, say hekamti. I I I once learned. I forgot why there's in this biblical form. It's not a vavayipul because there's no vav in the beginning. It turns into hakimoti, but. It's literally, but it means, and also I, I, I established, I set up, I made to rise my covenant with them, giving to them the land of Canaan, right? Kind of an implied second direct object, the land of their sojourning, right? Uh, if you look at Uncleus, he translates Megurehem to Totavuthon from Lahashiv, their, from their settlements the place where they dwelt, okay? So we'll go slower on it when we get back to Rashi, but I wanted to get that verse out. Larry has a comment or question. So those of us who take Leonard's class know this word well, because we read this word last week, and we made the same, I made the same Hakimo- comment. Hakimoti? About Hakim- Hakimoti. The Japanese comment, you made the same one? Yeah, the same, right. <laughs> so it's, it's, in, it's, it's in Bereshit chapter 6, verse 18. And what's the full ver- verse there? This is with Noah. Yes. Um, um, Rashid six eighteen. Six eighteen. I'll put it up. Pull it up on the board. The Hakimoti et Brit itach ubati el hateva atata ubanecha ishtecha uneshei venecha itach. Right. So same exact word, hakimoti. The, the only difference is the stress. In in um, in uh, Breshid, it's vahakimoti. In uh, the stress, it's a vavaypuch. So it's actually a future tense word, right? And the stress on the t here, it's vaha, It's no vav. It's hakimoti, but it's the same essential verb. Uh, my covenant with you. You'll go into the ark. You and your. This is this is the verse that says that there was a mechitza in the ark because you and your sons are going to go and then your wife and your son's wives. Okay. Uh, 
before we read the next verse, any comments or questions on not, not, not the miniature particulars that we'll go into later, but just what's basically being transmitted in this verse and its relationship to the previous verse? Like if you had to paraphrase it, after God says to Moshe, um, the, your ancestors knew me as El Shaddai, but they did not know me as Adonai, what's basically being communicated in this verse is what in your own paraphrased words, Leonard? Right. It's almost like even though they didn't know me as yud heh vav I did make promises to them. And the promises that I made to them, and I'm now kind of almost pre-involving the Rashi in, in understanding the verses, the promises I made to them, they never experienced fulfilled. And now a parenthesis and parenthesis. And, and because of that, they never really got the yud heh vav heh of me because they lived and died with unfulfilled promises. But now we're on the precipice. So I, God, I'm going to appeal, appear to you, Moshe, yud heh vav because it's time to fulfill the brit and the promise that I gave to them. They never got it. Nothing, it wasn't their fault. They never, they never got it. They knew it was coming. Now it's about to be coming. Uh, let's keep reading the next verse, Sue. Can you unzoom here when Sue is speaking? Is that microphone working too? Yeah. Yes. Can someone unzoom? Tell it's me that. It's on now. It's on now. Oh, it wasn't on before. Yeah. Okay. Just, it was. Renee, you can give we, your we thumbs up. If you hear, can hear we Sue. can't hear. Now you can hear me. Can you hear me now? Now I can, but we didn't hear Leonard before either. Oh, sorry about oh, that. Okay. It was off. Go ahead. Sorry. Are we on five? We're on five. Um. Vigam Anishamati et Nakat Benetrael, Asher Mitzraim, me avidim otam, ma avadim ma avidim otam, ma avidim, ma avidim, avidim otam, va escor et briti. I also heard the na'akat, which I'm assuming means the kvetching. Correct. It's, it's a one of many different um, ways to say a complaint, a cry, a wail, mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, a, a terrible sound coming up from the, from the people. Um, B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, that uh, Egypt is, ins has enslaved, is enslaving them. Right, and even as you translate, you notice there's, there's kind of a missing connecting word there. It's, yeah. I, I have heard the cries of the children of Israel, I would add, as a result of the fact that mm -hmm. Egypt is, Ma'avidimotam is enslaving them. The asher, the asher almost seems not ready, not up to the task. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that the Egyptian, I haven't heard the cry that the Egyptians are enslaving them. I haven't heard the cry. I, I, sorry, I've heard the cry that has emerged from the fact that they're enslaved them, but we know what it means, okay? Let's call it pretty, and I will remember my covenant. Vav so it looks like future, and therefore it means? I remembered. And I remembered, right? And I, I, and as a result of reminding myself out loud to you that I made these promises to them, and as a result of the fact that I've heard their na'akot, therefore, I remembered. I realized. I have an unfulfilled promise. This is my opportunity to make yud heh vav heh be known in the world. It's been kind of dormant. The name has been used, but their experience hasn't been that way. I want to linger on that for one second then, Larry. The confusion that we felt and that all of you did some good gumshoe work when the verse says, Ushmi Adonai lo nodati lehem, we all said, 
but wait, we know Breshid, and Adonai is all over it. I think the way Rashi is going to read it, and I think it's probably close to Pshat, is the distinction between someone knowing someone else's name or title and someone experiencing that name or that title in the way it's intended. I'll give you like a personal fake example, right? So, you know, at Temple Betham, I'm known as Rabbi Kligfeld. There might be many people, either because they haven't tried or I haven't done a good enough job, who've not experienced me as a rabbi yet. Or when they experience me, it's disappointing, right? Yeah, so they know that this guy is known as Rabbi Kligfeld. That's not my experience with that person, right? I, I have a different experience, right? Ho hopefully that's not the case in many situations, but it's possible, right? There are situations where, where we might know someone as mom or as dad, that's their title, but as a result of any number of reasons, might not actually be experiencing what that title is supposed to represent. So I think what's going on here is, of course, the Torah knows, if we can kind of ascribe a, a knowledge to the Torah, to the authorship of the Torah. Of course, the Torah knows that we know that yud heh vav is all over Sefer Breshit. But I think the Torah wants us to imagine that what Moshe is about to experience and lead and make possible is the fulfillment of the yud heh vav ness of the promises that were made to the ancestors that they didn't get fulfilled. And when they get fulfilled, that's when Adonai becomes truly manifest in the world. And up until now, it's one of the names of God, but it's not an aspect of God that has been made, that is materialized because we've been in, enslaved, because we haven't been able to live out that promise. And, and almost God has not been able to make that promise happen. Okay, Larry. I'm just going to repeat to a comment that I made last time, and I'm looking superficially at the difference between this exchange and the burning bush. Okay. Because it's the same conversation. So first of all, at the burning bush, uh, earlier, God tells uh, Moses that not only that he is the God of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's the God of your father. It doesn't say here that, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are his fathers. It doesn't, we don't have the issue of God's name. Um, he doesn't talk about the covenant there, but there he says in verse 7, Ra'o ra'iti et oni ami asher b'mitzrayim v'yatzakatam shamati. So he sees, but here he hears, and he sees their cry. Here he, he here he, he hears their moan. We never, I don't think, ever commented about how you can see the cry. See the cry, and there's more to come in terms of comparing them. In terms, it just it just strikes me, and I'm sure someone's done a dissertation on this, or maybe even a short article putting them in parallel. These are two different versions of the same story, the same event, and the editor decided, I gotta stick this one here. Right, so comparing that scene in the burning bush to this scene is definitely fodder for uh, documentary hypothesis and biblical criticism, because it does seem like the, the, the content is, is something we already are aware of, uh, but he's using different language. Your reference to Ra'o Ra'iti at, as, um, uh, Roraiti, what is he? What is God saying? Roraiti, Oni, right? Uh, and then, and then synonyms for the crying out. That's one of several times that the Torah shows that a um, um, a sound can be visible, right? At Revelation, Vayara Takolot, that God, that that uh, 
that they, that they, the people, saw a call, a sound, right? So commentaries on that say, well, what they saw was like, you know, the, 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 the change in the sky that suggests that God was, was up there, or it means that there was a, um, some break in the laws of nature and something that was visible could actually, normally not be visible, could actually be visible. Um, I saw Marshall's hand up. Is it still up, Marshall? Yes. Yes. It's still up. Okay, go ahead. Um, I just want to go back to verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5. I just noticed this, that this has to do with the trope patterns and the grammar of the trope. So in verse 4, we have Yagam Akimoti, every T-E Tom, it just flows together. And yet verse 5, we have at the beginning a Munach Lagarme, which is sort of a pausal form. So there seems to be something different going on here in the way God is speaking. Yeah, uh, wonderful, Marshall. So each verse begins with a vagam, a slightly different trap. Sometimes the question is the trap different because they just had more syllables in a verse, right? And they, and they needed, they, 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 whoever they are, they needed more music to cover the syllables uh-huh. or is the music a more intentional commentary or uh, an intentional break from whatever is going on in the previous verse? But mm-hmm. right, we have we have two gams and then followed by verbs, but the second gam is uh, followed by this pause, by that that vertical line you see after the word gam, which uh, the way Marshall and I learned it is called a ligarme. People call it a munach psik sometimes. Psik. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else on Zoom who's okay? Uh, Alan. Um, there's a comment regarding about like seeing the lightning and how is that possible? Just make, bring the mic closer to your mouth. Okay. Even even Ezra has a comment on uh, five twenty one about making us loathsome in Pharaoh's eyes. He says the following: literally, quote, made us stink in Pharaoh's eyes. As I've already informed you in my comments to. Uh, uh, Genesis 42.1, because all the senses are gathered together in a single place behind the forehead, the verb appropriate for one sense is often used for another, as in all the people saw the thunder, from 2015, or see the smell of my son, Genesis 27.27, or how sweet is the light, Ecclesiastes 11.7. The meaning is, as the Ibn uh, Jannah explains, in the opinion of King Pharaoh and his servants, we have become like a bad odor that one cannot stand to smell. Yeah, that, that goes back to the, the end of, say, first of uh, Parsha Shmod, Lahavisheni. You've, you, you've, you've made our smell odious. And, yeah. and so. But the notion that it all comes, that it's all interchangeable because we put we have the forehead. I, I found that fascinating to hear that that would be the justification for it. Right. It's almost Ibn Ezra doing, like, like getting neurology 500 years before neurology became a thing, understanding that all of the all of the experience of sensations come in one place, even though we we separate them by the actual openings in our body that they come through. It's all happening localized, right? Mm-hmm. Pain also, right? I think I, I spoke about this and sermonized about this. That um, that you're like you might you might be experiencing pain in your toe because you stubbed it, but 
where you're actually experiencing the pain is here, right? The stimulus for the pain is the toe, but your toe can't feel, right? Your toe is sending a message through a, through a neuron to your brain, but since all the, the pain is up, up here, that means that some of the controlling of pain can be up here, which is how it's possible to um, endure and overcome pain, right? That's the only way that you know labor ever produces a child is the ability on some level for the body to, um, to handle, to confront, and to endure a pain that you shouldn't be able to. Uh, and that's how uh, some people live with, uh, with, with chronic pain, to realize that the pain is actually happening up here. Not that it's an illusion, but it's not actually happening localized. So even Ezra knew a lot about that, like apparently. Uh, Barbara, vision is the same way. Let's see what she wrote. Right. Right. Vision is the same way the photo lab is the back of the brain, right? So, so we're, we're taking in the stimuli from our eyes, but where is, this is getting very meta, where is vision happening? It's happening in, 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 in part of an organ called the brain based on messages that are coming through the eye. Okay, um, and that's a weird thing to think about, to think that I'm not think, seeing with my eyes, I'm seeing with my brain, but it's probably accurate. Joel? We're supposed to have a, we're supposed to have a second uh, microphone here. I'm sorry about that. What's that, Susan? You have a joke? Sue has a joke. I have a joke. A woman on a diet says it's my 12th day without chocolate. I've lost vision in my left ear. <laughs> you think she's just lost her mind? Got it. <laughs> Go ahead, Joel. Um, okay, just try to put this in context. This is right after, like, he has a minor crisis of faith, right? He's complaining, you know, why have you sent me? I've done nothing but, you know. And so this is sort of like a, um, a pep talk. Exactly. And he's trying to give him confidence. So he's trying, God is trying to make Moshe's feel special. So even if it's not true, Moshe doesn't know that, that he, he didn't introduce himself. As, <laughs> so great. I don't know if you, the, the new movie about the, uh, the, the rescue of the kids in, in Thailand, the caves. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a wonderful movie. I read about it, but it's good. It's a good movie. And so, so they, they, you know. They Is it a documentary or a movie? It's a movie. It's a okay. movie. Ron Howard directed it. Um, they, they bring out the first kid and they say, you see this guy? He's going to be your diver. He's the best diver in the world. Mm. They take him, and the next kid. You see this diver? He's going to be your diver. He's the best kid. In the, he's mm. the best diver in the world. Just to give him confidence, you know, even if it's not necessarily true. Very nice. So, meaning, we, you're almost saying that we know the language of Brayshit more than the character Moshe did. So God can say to Moshe, "Oh, they never knew me like this because exactly. they didn't have." You're special. You're the one that's not. Yeah. When I was on Nativ, the year program in. Um, after high school, that several Beth Amars are going on this year, our wonderful director, who just retired from uh, his position in the United Synagogue earlier this year, David Karen, he was an, an incredible tour guide, an incredible, in addition to running the program, he occasionally was our tour guide and educator. But we, we would lampoon him because wherever we went, it didn't matter where we went, he would always begin by saying, this is the most important place in all of Eretz Israel. <laughs> and then he would make a case for it. And it was like a twinkle in his eye, right? Like, no, this, no, absolutely, this is the most important place we'll take you the whole year. Uh, Joanna. I just wanted to go back to verse four and the, um, 
the overemphasis on the land of Israel, right? Eretz Kanaan, et Eretz Mugurehem, Asher Garuva. I mean, there's so much repetition there. And what is Eretz Mugurehem but an Eretz Asher Garuva? Like, why do we need the double repetition? And within the repetition, why do we need a doubling again? What is what are we learning from that? Yeah. Do you have any any, any potential answers? Um, no, other than, um, you know, so it's three references to the land. And it took me back to like it's sort of an inversion of Lech Lecha. Again, like three references to a land that any one of those phrases, we would have understood what land was being referred to. And um, the first covenant being established with Abraham, the first breach with Abraham, and um, that this is the continue, you know, what happened to a family is now what's going to happen to a nation. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder how many of the translations like make as obvious in the English as the repetition is in Hebrew, right? Everett Fox maintains the redundancy in, in a way that makes, makes it even more redundant. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojournings where they had sojourned. I, almost by using sojourn, he's making even more obvious that there's no reason for the second sojourn. It's like that wonderful that's my favorite four seconds of all television, Leslie Nielsen and the Mod Squad about how he broke into an office. Do you know this? He, he There's a scene where he he breaks into someone's office and the person behind the desk says, who are you? And how'd you get in here? And he says, I'm a locksmith. And I'm a locksmith. <laughs> right? So... Um, <laughs> that's uh, that was that's the the land of their sojournings where they had sojourned. Yeah, Sue. But it's been so long. I mean, this is a, it, he's talking to a people who didn't sojourn there at, at all. It's this it it's it's the the place of their of their legends, really. I mean, if yeah. they even know anything about it, it's only because some, you know, their their ancestral stories are uh, ruminating about it. Well, that's why it's a hem and not a chem, right? So the, the there, T-H-E-I-R, is God telling Moshe where they, your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their Megurehem, Asher Garuvam, where they had guard, right? So it's it's it actually is nostalgic, right? It's a place where Moshe, you've never been, right? But it was a place where they had their wanderings. Um, how does Arya Kaplan translate that? Which one? Um, Verse four. Can we give a let? We can, but oh, you're but not I done. Have them in, but oh, I have sorry, 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 sorry. Um, um, but doesn't it just? I mean, it's hard to just move on and and not consistently ask why did it take so darn long? Why? Why yeah. generations and generations of people who never? Why did it take so long? That's I don't know. Rashi in a in a comment we'll probably not get to until Sukkot brings this back to Breed Ben Abitarim, the covenant between the the split birds, where. It's tucked in in Parshat Lech Lecha. And if we take the text as a coherent whole from beginning to end, it's tucked in into Parshat Lech Lecha that you're, gonna, you're in Canaan now and you're going to leave 
for quite a long time and you're going to be in you're going to have uh, you know negative experiences and it's not going to be for a long time until you come back here right as if even in the initial promise where god is saying to avraham i'm i'm deeding this land to you but not yet right so that internally doesn't answer the question why but internally sets up that the arc of the story is that whatever is going to happen with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to that family, it's not going to come to fruition until much, much later. And we reference that in the in the uh, in the Haggadah, right? The when we're, when it's tra- all that interesting math about how many years they were actually enslaved, uh, it mentions some of these verses in the, in, the, in Breshit, um, and it it does raise like internally interesting questions about what it is or what it was about God or the people or both that made it such that this we began here our intent was to end here but for a very long time we were here is that their fault our fault God's fault we're still we still don't know right and then we could that's why the rabbis after the destruction of the temple in the year 70 spent so many thousands of midrashic pages trying to figure out who is responsible for this exile is this God doing hester panim, God um, covering God's face the way it may happen in Egypt? Is this our fault, right? Um, uh, from the Musaf and the Yentiv, right? So in prayer we say, because of our sins, we lost the commonwealth, and that's why we're living in exile internal to the logic of of, of the Torah, it doesn't really suggest that the reason why the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt is because of their sins. But the attempt, the thrust by the rabbis who are creating liturgy to try to make sense of a gap that we know ended, but they didn't know was going to end. They didn't know in the year 160 or 320 as Musaf was being put together that eventually we would be saying these words in Eretz Israel as a commonwealth. They were trying to make sense. Whose fault is this? Is this just the way God operates? This is another undulating arc. We're there. We're not there. We're there. We're not there. God told us that in Brita Bina Tarim. Or did we earn it this time? And had it been up to God, we would have stayed there. And obviously, there's no resolution to it. But these are mega issues in Jewish intellectual history. Larry. That, that last comment, <laughs> we can go on for a long time. Yeah. I just want to want to comment on that one. To a large extent. Our connection to the land isn't just, well, this is where we were born, or our ancestors were born. We're the indigenous people. Yeah. It's, we keep coming back, even to today. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'll read Arya Kaplan, but I want to say something about the thrice repetition, or even four times repetition, which occurs all the time in, in, in the Akedah. It's, it's, take your son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac. So there's four right. in, that, in that time. And it happens all the time. But I think we do it too. So in our writing, when I write, I notice when you write, we like to repeat. And I sometimes intentionally, for whatever reason, I'm even looking at the thesaurus, what else do I want to say? And I think it's simply for emphasis. We think by repeating, using a similar word or, or very, very young word, we simply emphasize that point. Right, or, or subtle shades of meaning that a near synonym Will, will evoke. However, this is very boring repetition. Eretz Megure Hemasher Garuba, 
that hasn't even added anything. That's not even an, a repetition for emphasis. So Kaplan does. So there we okay. go. So Cap, you're right about Kaplan. Kaplan wants to change it. And so he says, I made, also made my covenant with them, promising to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, where they lived as foreigners. Huh. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's so, it's, it's so untethered to the words, but it's wonderful. And then, right, it is. Altar is true to the words. It's the sojournings in which they sojourned. Yeah. But his explanation is God's language stresses the character of temporary residents of the nomadic forefathers in the land. Uh -huh. Now temporary residents, Migorim, will be transformed into fixed settlement, Yeshiva. Nice, nice. Uh, you have old and new JPS in front of you, uh, Alan. Will you read it? The, the, Alan, just show the book that you've got. This is Karasek's book. Yeah, this is an incredible uh, work. It's, I think it's the first time that the Mikro Dolo, which is several commentaries on the Torah on one page, were all translated into English and combined together in one volume by this incredible uh, scholar, Michael Krasik. And I think he includes in it both the new JPS translation from the 80s and the older one from 1917. Can we give uh, Larry, Larry, uh, Alan the microphone? Read, read the new one first and then read the old one on verse three. Six, uh, three. Six, four, correct. Six, four. Six, four. Uh, hang on. And bring the mic as close to your mouth as you can. Okay. Uh, read the new one first. Yeah. Let's see where it begins. Okay. Uh, even though I appear to them, oh, that's, three. that's three. Okay. Hang on. I also established. Hang on. It's the next verse. Yeah, I know. I'm just as the journeys. Okay. I've got five here, but I go back to four. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm looking at this, okay, because I don't see the four. Yeah. Oh, you know what it is? I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at Rashi. That's. I need another cup of coffee. All right. Okay. I also. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land in which they lived as sojourners. Say that one more time. So the land in which, so he only used the sojourner, sojourner sojourn once, okay? That's yeah. NJ, that's new JPS, 1980, whatever. That's and then right. old 1917 JPS. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojournings, wherein they sojourned. Hmm. So in so 70 years later, JPS says, this is just silly, right? It's so interesting. For the hundredth thousandth time, translation is so hard. It is so hard to do well. Uh, so it's the same, you have the same company, two generations apart saying, we, we, we can't leave it like that. We'll leave it like that in the Hebrew. We can't leave it in English. Barry, and then Joel. I'm rereading the third time, uh, the horror Jewish history uh, by uh, uh, Yosef Yerushalayim. Yerushalmi, my, uh, my, my uh, college uh, history professor. 
Um, so um, uh, this backstory, why I'm, I'm reading that, uh, but um, a great em emphasis on Jewish memory versus Jewish history. And we're, we're, our minds are very entwined in these two things. We, we get very confused. Jewish history is point by point by point by point by point. Um, Jewish memory is, is what we as a communal enterprise choose to um, be, be part of who we are. Um, in this, these gums, the gum, the gum, the, 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 these gums are what our memory is. And, and the last gum is God's memory. God, God's remembering, if escor. The, the, the escor is not related to historical point by point. God's memory is is what God recalls what's important to God. Yeah. And it's not connected necessarily to all the points that came before. And and so when we're trying to straighten this out, we we lose the essence of what's being said. We don't try to straighten it out. Yeah. And all recollections are imperfect, even God's recollections, because they are going to leave leave something out, or add something in, or or interpret it as it's being shared. I mi I missed you, Barry. Should we hear it again? Sorry, Barry. <laughs> Go ahead, Joel. I just want to stand. Up, I'm, I want to stand up for the repetition. Okay, of the Amida. I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the purpose happy birthday to joel thank your you, birthday barbara. thank you barbara today today is my birthday yom that's twice already yom three times yom four times we sang that to you <laughs> let's do it again no, go ahead. So, the, I think the whole purpose of this, ver the whole purpose of the section is to, as, as Larry says, the pep talk, to, to, to say that he is fulfilling his covenants. You're saying that verse four is saying, well, they, it, it was unfulfilled. But he's actually saying, I think he's saying, I promised to them the land of Canaan as their place of residence. And they resided there, so that part was fulfilled. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it. And I'm gonna give it as a final, you know, I'm gonna give them the country, the land, for eternity. That's that's a very interesting read, Joel. I, I think it's I think it's simultaneously interesting and against shot. I think I think it's probably not the main thrust of the verse, but I hear what you're saying that the that the Eretz Megure Hamashir Garuva was my version of fulfilling my promise to them then, and this is now the you know the the, the return of the promise. Interesting. I'd, I'd never read it that way. Nice. Um, any more comments on the verses, and then we'll go back and read the Rashi's. Okay. 
Let's go back now because I wanted you to have that flow. I think, yeah, Barry. Of course, of course. And I promise I will not try to uh, paraphrase it incorrectly this time. And certainly not twice. So from a historical perspective, it's so easy to, to connect that it's the groaning that caused God now to the remember. Mike's not on. Point to point. But Can't in hear. terms of memory, God's memory, it, it may not be that way. These are unrelated gods. Mike is not on. We can't hear. What's that, Marshall? Marshall, I can hear. It may be that your volume's not on, Marshall. We all can hear. Can someone type into the chat for Marshall that we all can hear? It might be the volume on his computer. Sorry, Barry. Okay, so th these are unrelated goms. This is this is God's S core. It, 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 it's, it's coincidental that we have the groaning and then we have God's memory, but it's not necessarily causative. It's, it's, very, it's very easy, so easy to read it that way. And so... <laughs> let, let's let that stand so that I don't ruin it by trying to repackage it. Great. Okay, let's go back to the second Rashi on verse three, because I think we read the first two, the Era and El Shaddai. Um, so you want to still be up? So that microphone. The, the, the third Rashi on verse three, Did we read this one last week? I don't think the, so. The verse, the difference between lo no dati and lo hodati. I don't think we. I think we. I think we anticipated reading. We didn't actually oh, no, read no, it. No, no, no. I marked just so you know. I marked four where it says the gum. Akimoti. Yeah. Let, let's now read this third Rashi in verse three in light of having read all those three verses together. Okay. Ushmi, <clears throat> ushmi, Adonai lo no dati lahem. Lo... And by the way, I'm just going to. And this to me, Joel, is at least why Rashi would disagree with your read, right? That doesn't mean that Rashi is correct. What does he know? I know, he was, he was, he was French and you know, a little long time ago, what did he know? Okay. Okay, so they didn't know me by this name, right? Always uh, listening. I don't know how to stop that. Um, Lohodati, thank you. Lohodati ein kativkan. And put put quotation marks around lohodati. Lohodati ein kativkan ele lonodati. Okay, what does that sentence mean? It means it's not written here like lonodati. It says lohodati. Reverse. Lohodati ein kativkan. It does not say in the verse with a hey. Rather, it says with a nun. And now this is very Pikayun grammar, the difference between two different passive forms, right? Okay. Kind of hufal and nifal, something like that, right? And it would be very hard to translate them very differently in English. But if I tried to use English to kind of make Rashi sentence make sense, it would be something like this. It doesn't say that I didn't inform them. It says they didn't really get it. It says they weren't informed. Yeah, but not that they were, like, not that I did not 
throw the yeda, the knowledge at them, but that yeda did not get absorbed into them, right? So, somehow the hodati is 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 me me exposing information. The nodati is what actually got absorbed into them. So it says that it does not say to all of you who are going to quote verses from Brashid saying, wait a second, yud hey is all over the place. It doesn't say that I didn't introduce myself that way. What it does say is that they never actually got the fullness of yud hey vav hey. This is now my, my English attempt at trying to make that sentence work in Rashi. Go ahead. Lo nikarti lahem bamidat amitut sheli. Do that phrase. I didn't, I wasn't, Yep. The, I, I wasn't known to them uh -huh. in the measure of my truth. Right. I, 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 somehow Hekirut, today is Yom Hekirut oppressment, the, 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 the day of familiarity when kids come and meet their teachers. Lahakir, to know, to know intimately, right? That, that, that midat amitutchali, the aspect of my truest tru, tru, truthiness, was ultimately not fully known by them. Why? That, that on, on it. I What's the it? The it is the midat. Uh, the, exactly. The, uh, with respect to that aspect of me, the aspect of truest truth, nikrashmi Adonai. That I would be called that that I would be called Adonai. Adonai, even though it's written hey hey apostrophe here, it's referring to Yud Hey Vav Hey. So mm -hmm. it's based on the that that when Yud Hey Vav Hey is used, that is the deepest act of, aspect of my Amitut. That was not Nikarlehem. It it never fully it was made known to them. Go ahead. Neeman laamet dvarai the truth no neeman the that they would believe in the truth of my words right or that i am believable neman someone who's neman is trustworthy right that the, the, the deepest as aspect of my truth was not known by them the the fact that i could be trusted neman amate it's interesting to put amate as a verb to truthify to verify to verify my words and and why was it the case that they never got that because Sheharei Sheharei iftachtim velo kiyamti. Meaning? That because, behold, then there, like that, <laughs> I promised. I promised them, but I didn't, I didn't establish. I didn't, I didn't fulfill it. I didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't deliver. Where, you know, Yaakov's life ends in Egypt, right? That that's the story of the family is a story ends with a family reunited but displaced, right? Back to back back together, but not like it, it, oh, it, it's not that Israel and Egypt are polarities because you know like geographically they're just near each other, but they're conceptual polarities. So Sefer Breshid ends with the people of Israel on the opposite pole from where I promised them they would be. So, so on his on his deathbed, God might be saying to Moshe, Jacob might have been saying, "Where are we? 
And why aren't we where God said we were going to be? Eretz Megurahim Asher Garabah. We were dwelling there, and now we're not. So I don't know if I really got Yud Hei Vav Hei according to God's telling Moshe through Rashi's interpretation. I never fulfilled it. Barry, I promised them, it's putting the, the suffix, the direct object into the suffix. I promised to them, otam, hiftachtim. I've got this interesting footnote that, that, that God uh, did make his name known to Avraham in Breshit 15.7. Uh, I, I, I am Yudevove who took you out of Kostim. So it, 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 he did fulfill in, in that sense to Abraham. Right. R Rashi is saying what God did not fulfill is the promise of establishing this nation on this land because when their, when their arc ends, they are very far from it geographically and conceptually. Rick, you just holding a mic or you want to say something? It, but um, Rosh Hashanah coming up and Abraham not killing his kid and he's saying on top of the mountain Adonai Yireh Adonai Yireh um, I just wanted to throw that in there we do have God's name that way there and um, it's every uh, Rosh Hashanah it's, it's the main thing that uh, he should he should be known and stop killing your kids and, and uh, you know, be, uh, be more ethical. It is there. Last Sunday, we moved Aiden into her dorm at Brandeis, and then we went into Waltham, Massachusetts to, I don't know, get lunch or coffee. And as we're driving out of Brandeis and getting to Waltham, we passed a little mechanic shop. And then <laughs> I had to look at the mechanic shop several times to understand what it was saying. What was the name of this mechanic shop? J. A H W E H J I R E H. I don't know. This was I don't know. Your mechanic shop, Jawa Jire. It's exactly what I. I don't know. It's probably some some fundamentalist Christian or Seventh Day Adventist something or Mormon. It, I was like, that is exactly where I want to bring my car to be fixed. This is being fixed. I don't I don't know. Your eh. God, God, God will provide. It's almost as if, like you know, you take out in this mechanic shop, you take out the, take out the child and put in the ram. I don't know. It was very funny. Remember to put it back again. Um, Leonard, uh, I just want to say that I was uh, camping years ago, and we met a Hispanic family, and the daughter's name was Adonaya. And uh, <clears throat> I mentioned this to Rabbi Dorf. And he mentioned that he was at a conference in Mexico once, and the server at the conference name is a man. His name was Adonai. And so when they would go, when they would go to their meals, they wonder, oh, I wonder what Adonai will provide for us today. <laughs> so I'll, you know what's amazing about that story? That story is not about Elliot. It's about my father who told him that story because they were at a, they, unless that happened to, unless both my father and my father-in-law have been at a resort in Mexico with a father, Adonai, my parents went to a resort in, in Cabo and their, their server was Adonai, right? Well, will Adonai provide for us today? So my, so either Elliot for, forgot that he didn't even have that experience. You know, sometimes we tell someone else's memories their own or someone got, got mixed up, but no, that's a, that's a Kligfeld story. That's not a dwarf story. That's a Kligfeld story. I bet he told you about all these books also, right? Can I, can I read the um, Arya Kaplan translation, which I think 
is informed by, is informed by Rashi. Of the Nodati? Yeah. Okay. He says, um, I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai, and did not allow them to know me by my name. Yeah. 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 Well, it's actually, it's close to Rashi, because Rashi is saying, it's, I'm not saying that Lohudati, that I didn't offer it to them. What I'm saying is that it didn't penetrate. Now, either it's because I, God, didn't let it happen or because the story hadn't, hadn't resolved itself by then. Did not allow them to know me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So, so for, it took us 55 minutes to get back to ground zero. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Sue. Uh, this is now Rashi. And, uh, oh, let's give this. Let's let's give this what uh, someone else just so. Uh, Carol, do you want to take us home? Begam Hakimoti at Briti. We did the we did all these psukim before he had walked in. We read three, four, and five together, and now we're going back to doing the Rashi's. Okay. Begam Hakimoti at Briti Begomer. Begam Kesher Iti Lahem Ba'el Shaddai. Now, as we read through and translate this Rashi, it's going to feel redundant in the room because we've actually addressed some of these issues, which, which is why I actually wanted to read these verses as a group. But let's see if we can pick out... E anything novel about what he's saying. So on the phrase, and I established my covenant with them, which we, as we were discussing the Peshat, were suggesting, I established this as a promise, but it but it never actually happened. What Rashi says on that. Okay, and also. I would read this gum as even. Even, even as I appeared to them as El Shaddai. I don't know what he saw. Is the he feel of 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 natsav or yatsav, which means to be to be standing, like parshat nitzavim? So I I caused to be present. I caused to make stand. Something like I I I stood up or I set up or I established. It's it's a established. established okay. Isn't that the same thing as the ha'am? Yeah. So it's an, it's 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 another redundancy even within Rashi, right? I established. I made stand. I set up. It would be interesting to see the different translations of the translations of Rashi on those two words, because it's one thing for the Torah to be redundant. Why Rashi has to use two synonyms here, I'm not sure. To establish my covenant between me and between them. Right. So we know what the words mean. Can anyone pull out something novel about what Rashi is saying here or what he's, or what he's disabusing us of by saying these words? He's taking his core at Briti and changing it to um, Hamati Briti a little bit. Right. The Escore Briti is on verse five. He's Rashi's focusing locally on Vagam Hakimoti at Briti that I set up my covenant with them. I, what I hear Rashi doing here, and that's why I like to read these verses as I said, is just reinforcing and establishing, I did have a relationship with them. 
And, and where did it get to? It got to my saying to them, I promise you. But I promise you dot, dot, dot. I promise you, I'm, yeah, I'm setting up the, I'm setting up the covenant. I, th 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 this is real and this is established. And now is when it's having a chance of actually being fulfilled. Joanna? In modern Hebrew, when you say gam twice, gam vegam, what you're in essence saying is the two sides of the coin are true. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is happening here. On the one hand, our ancestors didn't fully comprehend or absorb the totality. But on the other hand, what is happening now is a continuation of what started with the ancestors. Uh-huh. Uh, so to read verses four and five is gam this and gam that. That's lovely. I have no idea if the idiom, idiomatic Hebrew works that way then, but, I, but I'll accept it because I, because I like it. Um, it's 929 uh, with Pressman back in session. I've, uh, I've promised Pressman as, we're, as the school and the shul are, are trying once again to learn how to use indoor space simultaneously because for two and a half years we've been mostly outdoors. I promised to really have us uh, be out by 931. So um, an email will go out very soon reminding you of the upcoming, upcoming calendar. I thought it had gone out. I'm, I apologize about that. Uh, I will. Uh, my, your next in person with me is Cholamoyed Sukkot. But many of the weeks in between, uh, Leonard will be hosting class all on Zoom. Right? So, so our next in person is Cholamoyed Sukkot. Hopefully in the Sukkot, if we can get the, the technology to work out and if, um, if it's not too loud with kids running by. Uh, happy Wednesday, happy Elul. Uh, I'll miss you and I'll miss this, uh, but I'll hopefully see many of you in many different ways between now and then. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.